Good to see you tonight, church. Welcome both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance with us this evening. And we ask that uh, together we might go to God in a word of prayer. Our great and righteous, kind, heavenly Father, magnificent and mighty one, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We praise you. We, we lift your name up. And we're thankful, Lord God, for this very moment, for this very hour that we have to worship you. Please bless us to rid our minds of all worldly thoughts, that we might think only on you, of your word, your will, and your way. We might think of Jesus, your great son, whom you so willingly sent to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary. Thank you for keeping us safe, for watching over us, for guiding us and protecting us, and for leading us. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. Tonight, uh, Philip... Speaking of the apostles, but from the thought, show us the Father. What an intriguing comment or question, rather, that Philip asked. And I want to look into that tonight. So Jesus shared uh, many unique moments, uh, teachings with his apostles. And, and in these times, they were stimulated. And they had enriching conversations that, you know, we could only imagine, you know, what was spoken of by them. And they exposed through those conversations the weaknesses of humanity, of the apostles, uh, also their strengths, their faith, their understandings of the scriptures, etc. I want to look at Philip for just a moment. John 1, beginning at verse 40. And we'll, uh, we'll read through and we'll think about Philip and then we'll come back to this, this lesson, show us. Uh, the Father. So beginning at uh, verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You should be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, he purposed to go forth into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, of the city of Andrew, and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him, of whom Moses and the law, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found him. We, we found the Messiah. And so, again, Philip, like the rest of the apostles, drop everything and follow Jesus. And the question over and over again has to be to us, if, if we find Jesus and he says, follow me, would I drop everything and, and follow him? So what, what amazing and great faith these disciples uh, of Jesus had. I want to go to John chapter 6, looking just a little bit into the life of Philip, what is revealed or has been revealed to us. There isn't much that's been revealed, if you will, about Philip. Uh, from the scriptures, but remember the five barley loaves? Well, it was Philip whom Jesus spoke to in John 6, beginning at verse 4. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Jesus therefore lifted up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread that these may eat? And this he was saying to test him. Notice he wasn't testing the apostles, just 
Philip. So this is that one moment where, where God points Philip out in particular. Right? So he said these things to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answering him said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive a little. And the, the reality is, it didn't take any money. Right? And Philip was the one whom Jesus pointed out in this particular scene. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 20. Again, Philip. So these men, these, these Gentiles, these Greeks, are, are wanting to talk to Jesus. And in John 12 and verse 20, Now there were certain Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These therefore came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip came, and they, together, they told Jesus. So Philip, it shows us uh, faith, if you will, uh, in, in chapter 6, and then in 12, maybe, maybe he was approachable. I don't really know. The answer to that question, God doesn't give it to us. Why did they go, those Greeks, why did they go to Philip? I'm not told. Here's what history says. Tradition tells us that um, Philip ministered in, in Phrygia and that he was scourged, he was thrown into prison, and then crucified. We don't know a lot about Philip other than what the Bible tells us. But we do know this. Philip asks a very interesting question that we're going to focus on tonight. And it's found in John chapter 14. Jesus is teaching. He's already taught in chapter 13 all the things that's going to happen to him. He predicts his betrayal. He predicts his arrest. He says, Peter, you're, gonna, you're going to deny me. Uh, and then he, he says, but let not your heart be troubled. Chapter 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus specifically wants them to know there's no way to the Father but through him. Somewhere, somewhere they missed, maybe they missed this block of instruction. You know, you, you miss a day at school or a week at school and you miss that very important block of instruction. And so then for the next week, you're a little confused until you catch up. It's almost like they missed the block of instruction that Jesus gave to them up to this point. So I want to look backwards. John chapter 8 and verse 18. Regarding Jesus and the Father, the relationship between Jesus and the Father that they 
are one. If you see Jesus, you've seen the Father. We could reverse it. If you've seen the Father, you've seen Jesus. If you see Jesus, you've seen the Holy Spirit. Seen the Holy Spirit, you see, you know, you can do the whole Godhead like that. But Jesus' point is, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But I want you to notice how they missed this block of instruction through whether they just misunderstood it or what was it? I don't know the answer. Verse 18, John chapter 8, please. I am he who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. And so they were saying to him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no one sees them because his hour had not yet come. You don't know my father, but if you knew me, you'd know him. So in other words, if you know me, you know the father. He goes on, all the way over, if you will, in verse 23. And he was saying to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I am, I'm uniquely different from all else. And then he continues in verse 53 in this uh, open dialogue. Surely you were not greater than our father. Verse 53. Abraham, who died, the prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you say, oh, excuse me, and you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews therefore said to him, you are not 50 years old. And you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And oh, Oh, wait, now they got that part. Whoa, wait a minute. But they missed the block of instruction that Jesus was giving as he's trying to help them to understand. To know the Father, you have to know the Son. If you don't know the Son, you'll never know the Father. In John 10, the verse is 30. Jesus says it plainly. I and the Father are one. You see how they missed that block of instruction? Somewhere in there, something was missing. And then the simple teaching in John 1, beginning of verse 1, I say simple, but I mean, you know, this is early in their ministry. They understood this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that's come into being. So here's that early instruction, even that John writes. Though I understand it's written later, but it's spoken in their midst. And then John 5, in verse 21. John 5, in verse 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son, the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. For not even His Father judges anyone, but He has given all judgment to the Son. In order that all may honor the Father, even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. 
So there's this relationship, this connection between Jesus and the Father that they were supposed to get, that we too are supposed to get. But in John 14, as Jesus in chapter 13 talks about his betrayal and, and his execution, chapter 14, he comforts them, he speaks of heaven, and he says, you know, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. It's the same of saying, in my house are many dwelling places, for if you've seen me, you've, you've seen the Father. All the promises that the Father has granted are the same promises that I have granted. And he says, be comforted in this. Did you get it? Did you get my teaching? Did you understand what it was that I was trying to say to you? Maybe not yet. In John 14 and verse 7, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough. Show us the Father. We don't need anything else. Right? You just, if you'll just show us the Father, that's it. I can imagine maybe, maybe Jesus like, weren't you there? <laughs> Didn't you hear what I, haven't you heard what I've been saying to you? I'm going to come back to the rest of all of this text here. But the question is, when people think of Jesus, what are they looking for? When, you know, what is it that holds them back from seeing Jesus and recognizing that Jesus is God, right? What is it that holds them back? What is it that holds us back sometimes when we think of, of heaven? And we want, what is heaven like? And Jesus says, if you know me, you'll know heaven. If you know me, you'll know the Father. What is it that holds us back? So, so many people in your maybe uh, evangelism. Let's go back to Second uh, Kings for just a moment. The question comes up, um, you know, chapter 5. What are people looking for with God? I talked to folks, and, and the last I, I remember speaking to a lady, and she said to me, well, I don't know about you, but where I get God from is in nature. Yeah, I go out in the woods, and, and that's where I get God. Like, no, that's where you get God's creation. You don't get God in nature. You get God's creation in nature. God's creation points you to God because it talks about the greatness of God. Yeah, well, but that's where I get my God. Okay? Others, others will say, well, you know, I get God when I, when I go on the mountaintop. So, you know, everyone has some kind of idea of what God is supposed to be and what God is supposed to display to us. And Jesus said, no, it's as simple as this. If you know me, you know the Father. It's just that simple. Right? Now listen, 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman, you read the story. You read the account time and time again. He was expecting something great, right? A man of leprosy, verse 9, he goes to Elisha, and Elisha speaks to him. He doesn't like it. Verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of, Eli of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. 
Are not Abana and far apart of the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Because that's not what I see in God. But that was the message from God. What do you see in God? Do you see Jesus? You see, and sometimes that's the message that we miss. We miss the idea that in order to know the Father, you have to know the Son. And sometimes we just want to skip over the Son, go right to the Father, right? I mean, think about what people say, you know, God is good all the time. Well, speaking of Jesus, they're talking about the Father. And they want to jump over Jesus, but Jesus says, the only way to get to the Father is through me. There is no other way. Look at Psalm chapter 50. People have ideas of what, what God is supposed to be or who God is. But if you want to know who God the Father is, you have to get to know the Son. Psalm 50 and verse 16. I love this, uh, this illustration that comes from God. But to the wicked, God says, What right of you to tell of my statutes and take my covenant in your mouth? I, you know, <laughs> growing up in, in, you know, in the streets of Maryland and, and, and you know, D.C. and all that area, and you know, something you always, you always notice, drunks love to preach about Jesus. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's true. Right? You walk down the streets and they want to talk to you about Jesus. Like, eh, I don't know that you're in the right state of mind to talk to me about God right now. Even though I don't know anything about him, I'm pretty sure right now you might not have an idea. <laughs> right? They love to talk about Jesus. And so, you know, the question is, though, even wicked people want to talk about God. And God says, what right do they have to put my words into their mouth? That's pretty, pretty aggressive. Comes from the Father, right? For you hate discipline, and you cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you are pleased with him. You associate with adulterers. You let your mouth loose in evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was just like you. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. God says, that's not who I am. I'm not like that. And, and so, again, these ideas of who God is. You ever heard, let's go to Isaiah 55. You ever heard the thought, God changes with the times? I remember hearing that, you know. I remember, you know, well, God, you know, God understands. Times are different now, so, he, you know, we can do more things now that we couldn't do later, last you know, and I used to go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Makes perfect sense to me because, you know, why would God stay back into these old strict rules and regulations that you hear about in the Word of God? Why wouldn't he change? You know, these are the 90s. <laughs> yeah, that's not God. God doesn't change, right? But again, that was the idea. That was the idea that God does change with times. Therefore, we can get away with more sin or do more things or whatever it may be in our lives. Well, Isaiah 55, God again makes it very clear. Verse 8 and verse 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus teaches us. If you want to see the Father, you've got to see Jesus. And imagine 
imagine Jesus standing with Philip and, and the apostles, and they're looking at him, and they're seeing a man, the manif- manifestation of God in a, in a man form, if you will. 100% man and 100% God. And this man is saying to them, Son of God is saying to them, God is saying to them, No one can go to the Father unless you go through me. There are no shortcuts, brethren. Right? It's all in the Word. We're not going to get it through a movie. We're not going to get it through this or through... You're going to get it through the Word. If you want to know more about heaven, get to know Jesus. And you'll know much more about heaven than you ever thought you would. If you want to know about the Father or what it's going to be like in heaven, get to know Jesus and you'll understand more about the heavenlies and even more about this life that we're living in. So God has exposed himself. And I wonder, uh, Hebrews, please, chapter 1, and I wonder if, you know, when Philip asked the question, show us the Father and, and that's enough, what was it that, that Philip was after? What was it that Philip was looking for? And I want to come back and uh, think about that uh, in the next lesson. Of maybe, maybe there's some things that he was thinking about, and then maybe not. Jesus. Verse 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much better than the angels as he inherited a more excellent name than they. So God says, Jesus is exactly who I am. You want to know the Father? You want to know the Holy Spirit? Get to know Jesus. That's the only way, right? And what a blessed, you know, I guess, uh, time search for us to just dig in the Word of God and say, Father, show us you. Show us the Father. Just look at Jesus. Just watch Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Try to get what Jesus is trying to give to us. Now, remember, when you're looking at Jesus, You don't just look at the red letters. Go back to the Old Testament, right? Follow Jesus all the way from the Old Testament into the New. Get to know Jesus, and you'll get to know the Father. And what's amazing is this. You go back and do your research, you'll realize you will find Jesus speaking more in the Bible than you'll find the Father speaking. Just go do your homework. Go do your research. Go do your homework, and you'll go, well, wait a minute. Sometimes when you think it's the Father speaking, it's actually Jesus or the Holy Spirit. You want to know the Father? You want to know more about heaven? Get to know Jesus. Jesus, the exact representation of the Father. Verse 8, the Bible says, But of the Son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God... Thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy companions. And thou, Lord, in the beginning, 
didst lay the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. So here's a question to you. John 14. Here's a question for you. Jesus, who, for the first time, the Godhead could do something that the Godhead could never do. And the Godhead, represented through Jesus, comes to the earth. Jesus is able to be tempted by evil. And the Godhead cannot. The Godhead cannot be tempted by evil. But Jesus was able to be tempted by evil. And yet he never gave in to sin one time. That tells me two things. One, we can do it. Because he showed us that we can do it. And number two, that's a far superior way of living your life. To live for the Father. And not give in or give away to temptation. To the sins that plague us the most. And this is what I know. My temptations are not your temptations. And your temptations are not my temptations. But I do know this. When I give in to my temptations, it's because I want it to. Because it's my desire. What are your desires? Now I want to know about Jesus. Well, Father, what are your desires? Guess what the Father's desire was, exemplified through Jesus? Salvation. Isn't that great? Powerful. Salvation. When he was tempted, he thought, salvation. I've got to save these people. God is in closing, back to the question. John 14, verse 6 and 7. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus tells us there is the Father. So we know Jesus is not saying, I am the Father. But he is saying to us that if we want to reach the place, the heavenlies, where the Father dwells, you cannot, we cannot get there without going through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then in verse 7, Jesus says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. So, role reversal. What if the Father had come? be the exact same outcome. What if the Holy Spirit had come instead of the Son? Then the exact same outcome. But no different because Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So God loves us so much. This is what we get out of it. That God loves us so much to where he has exemplified or revealed to us himself as much as he wants us to know through Jesus Christ. Now the question is, how much do we want to know about the heavenlies and how much do we want to know about the Father? Where are we going to get that information? We get it through Jesus. And what I want us to do when we come back, Lord willing, is watch how we get it through Jesus with the idea and the understanding of the glory of God manifested in Jesus Christ. Tonight, the lesson is yours. If you're not a child of God, we can encourage you to surrender to him in the waters of baptism. 
Uh, if you are a child of God and you're struggling in your faith, if we can help in any way, if there's anything we can do for you tonight, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come?